As I sit here, the words on the sign in front of the church are running as drops of watercolor dribble down the glass. The gaping mouth at the top corner of the awning waters where the birds have built their nests and find refuge from the rain. Wet tires stutter, sputter, and chatter across the old red-brown cobblestone street. I could remain here, dry, or tiptoe briskly through the grass in my sandals. I've calculated about twelve steps to the awning, and so I've decided maybe I'll wait a little longer. Good morning, Alfred DaCosta, your host, Living for Him. Hope you're doing well this morning. You guessed it, yeah, it's raining, and I am sitting in the car. There's no better place to be. I think I'm going to get some work done from in here. I think I'm going to spend some time with God. What are you living for today? Today's show is fantastic. I've got a special guest, uh, Kurt, who called in this morning to weigh in on the testimony of Maureen. And I think he makes some good points. I'd like to invite you to join the conversation as we go back and forth in the dialogue. I think we could all learn something. Stay tuned. And so before Kurt weighs in, I'm going to play a rerun of um, Maureen's testimony. If you've already heard it, you can just skip to the next segment. Stay tuned. So uh, I'm looking at you here, and I see you have a handful. Um, looks like you've got uh, a little one staring at me with big blue eyes, and she yeah. looks really comfortable. So we've got a couple of guests today. Yeah, let's say so. <laughs> we've got Briley. Yes, my seventh-week-old daughter, <laughs> who has blessed us with our presence. <laughs> and I'm sure she'll have a lot to say. That's right. And who else do we have here this evening? Maureen Mayer. So Maureen Mayer is with us, and you'll never believe how she got here. I'm just going to go ahead. What are you going to say? Uh, yeah, I know. Jesus brought me here to give my testimony of the verse. Amen. 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 So, you know, and she's not lying to you, friends. Um, we were sitting here getting set up, getting the laptop, grabbing our coffee, setting up the phone, everything. He's feeding the baby. He's, he's, feeding the baby. Feeding the baby he's getting his uh, bottle. And we listen at a table right behind us. And, and here's Maureen. And she's talking to a lady who found her. They met up outside. Is what it was. She was walking, and she was actually in prayer. She was walking in prayer. That already is a testimony to me, because that's the way we should be living our lives. And so she's walking in prayer, and what are you saying during that prayer? You are my salvation. You are my staff. You are my shield. You will protect me. I am not alone. You will protect me. I know you are here. Enemy, you flee. Enemy, you flee. Wow. I walk across the street. A lady pulls out of the drive up and she asks if I was okay if I need a prayer. And there it goes. Right. So she comes into they come into the McDonald's. They get it looks like you're having a a a, a, a Big Mac, I think. That's what that is. That's all right. And and they're they're sitting there and we're listening to their conversation and she's telling her we're eavesdropping, you're right. Yeah, we're pretty bad. We're eavesdropping. <laughs> anyway, for <laughs> Lord's sake. <laughs> we're eavesdropping. <laughs> 
Amen. See, that okay. sounds a lot better. That sounds the a Lord lot. told us to listen. Yes. Listen, you got your testimony. That is right. Amen. And so we're sitting here, and they're talking about none other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. She's sharing with Maureen about um, accepting Jesus Christ. You, you were telling her that you have and that you are. And I even it even looks like that you were baptized at McDonald's. <laughs> Please tell me about that. I'm plumb out of words right now. That's okay. I'd be speechless too. But it sounds to me like what is she she like dipped her fingers in the cup? I believe so. I had my eyes closed. Oh, okay. Okay, and that you were just received. But I had never heard of that before. I that's a, an amazing testimony. And so here you are. And Spirit of the Lord. The Lord the Spirit is everywhere. Oh, praise the God. The Spirit is everywhere. Praise God. Praise you God. You accept His Spirit. You accept His Spirit anywhere. He is praise everywhere. Praise God. Praise God. He may not come when you call, but He's always right on time. He's right on time. Right on time. Wow. And the yes, closer you right get on to time. the enemy, the harder the enemy fights. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Okay. The closer you get to God, the harder the enemy fights to pull you away. He, the enemy wants you to question God. It's not of God. None of this stuff is of God. Praise mm. God. He yes. wants you to question God, and I'm not letting that enemy have any more power by calling him by name. Mm. Wow. He's hurt our father. Now he's down below. That's where he belongs. Mm. Wow. Amen to that. Amen. I so. Yes, and so so Maureen is joining us tonight. She has had she's sent me a couple of, of pictures of multiple testimonies that she's had. Amazing testimonies. I have thought I had some bad things, you know, I've had like some broken necks, some broken bones. I had some war stories I could tell you about. But let me tell you, nothing is as transparent as the Lord helping anybody as her testimony. Yes. When we have the pictures to prove it, I'm gonna post it. She's given me permission. To, to post it. Any doctors or anybody out there, you could plainly see it was a brain aneurysm and I was dead. Wow. So that's nothing I was America. dead. Wow. And there's and three things. And the doctor said that I would never walk, talk, anything. And here I am stranded in Nebraska spreading the word of the Lord. Wow. Praise God. Isn't that amazing? amazing. That's how it's supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to do. Yes. Yes. Well, why don't we uh, get prepared to get started here. I'm going to play our, our intro. Hey, what's going on, my friend? You know, I've been thinking very deeply about that, uh, the gal that you were, uh, that you ran into and related with, and helped out on the bus trip, the one with the drugs in the system and all that. And you know, <clears throat> the one thing that I just know in my gut is that you're dealing with a con artist. Like, I just know that deep in my heart. I've been dealing with... With uh, the poor, the oppressed, the the needy, my entire life. And I can just see it from a mile away. And I don't know. I mean, of course, God can use con artists too. But what I've learned is that, you know, people prey on Christians' biases. And that's really what I wanted to point out. Uh, but it looks like it'll take another call in to do so. But yeah, I mean, Christians, we have this way of looking at the world and it allows us for a much greater degree of exploitation. So I want to explain what I mean by Christian biases. But first, I just have to say, I am a huge believer in freedom. So if you're a con artist, cool. If you are a drug user, 
knock yourself out. I don't judge people on those basis I'll probably avoid you like the plague or maybe I'll help you when you're on the side of the road but I really believe in letting people live their lives so I say that first because as far as this woman's chosen lifestyle I get it people have their their brain chemistry they have their backgrounds they have their experiences and they are just doing the best they can. That's all any human is doing, is just doing the best they can. So it's not coming from a place of negativity, what I'm saying here. It's just, I really do believe in freedom. Now, as it pertains to Christian bias, everybody knows that the good Christian is going to be compassionate and empathetic. So with that, there's a huge opportunity for exploitation of that kindness. You gotta smile the right way, you gotta do the right dance, talk the right words, but as long as you can check those boxes, you'll be able to clear them with your generally kind, empathetic, understanding, compassionate Christian. And that's really what I believe was happening there. Everyone's got a sob story, man, but let me tell you, we all have free will. And if we want to live a successful life, we all have that opportunity. So, you know, broke people are broke for a reason. Addicted people are addicted for a reason. We all have a reason for being, but Christians, we, often we play the sucker. And here's the punchline of it all. That's 100% fine. Because that's what good people are, and that's what good people do. Give the guy who's got the homeless will work sign, give him some money. You know what I mean? That's the nice thing to do. Is it the best thing in his life for you to do at that moment? I don't know, and you don't either, but why are we judging? You know what I mean? Like, what you did for that woman was excellent. It was kind. It was loving. And you know what? It was a positive experience in her life. And why wouldn't you do that? Right? I mean... And that's funny where we can kind of, or a funny part where we can kind of flip the script. And yeah, they think they're playing us for a sucker. But really, we're just being decent human beings. And that's how we roll. And that's what we are. And that's what makes us attractive to the world. I feel like there was a hundred better ways I could say that. And it probably is. But these one minute call-ins, man, they're tough. If I was to say that in a nutshell it would be we all need to just do our own thing we need to do us whatever that is for the christian that's kindness that's love that's empathy that's compassion for the drug addict you're gonna have to play the game you're gonna have to con who you can because you're not a productive working member of society you're gonna have to play on compassion you, you better have a good story right because who's going to give you money if you don't have a good story right you have to be the salesman the storyteller we all have to do the best we can but you know as christians live your values and don't judge anyone else for living theirs so this next segment is three minutes of music into which i just want to invite you to hold the receiver of your phone to your ear. You can close your eyes. You don't have to do that either and just join me. 
join me in prayer, just spending some time with God, praying for our families, our friends, our loved ones, our kids, our anchor family, whatever it might be. I just want to ask that you pray for me as well. Stay tuned.
Coming up next, I'm just going to take a little time to reflect on some of the things that Kurt mentioned earlier. So I think I'm going to title this segment Miracle on Marine Street. As, as I recall what you were saying, um, Kurt, about, about in your heart of hearts feeling that this woman is a con artist. And as ugly as that word is, I think there's some truth to it. And um, coming out to Nebraska City, uh, moving my family out here for a year, and getting involved in the mission field, I came out here with the, with the wrong intention. And I was trying to... I was trying to do what I thought was ministry. I, I thought it was going out there and, you know, presenting the facts and then converting people into whatever my denomination was. And what it ended up becoming was a learning opportunity. So what had happened was is that I came with the wrong um, intentions and then ended up messing around and getting blessed. And I think that's what happens a lot of the times because we're intelligent human beings. You know, even as children, like my son is amazing. <laughs> like what that dude does is like, let's say like he wants something, like he wants like cookies he'll come up to me and he'll say I do not want any cookies no cookies today for me and you know I'm like bro do you want cookies okay you know I'm twisting his arm at this point and so you know it's just we are all social engineers I think to some extent and what we do is we put our product out there because the one thing we have is that people can't read our minds and so we put our product out there and and we we act in the moment and then we kind of look up from beneath our eyebrow to see if the person is buying into our <laughs> our silly story or our silly um, charade and a lot of times people do because we can't read each other's thoughts. But the, the worst thing for a person on the side of the street is that, you know, they're really good. They've, they've uh, mastered it. You know, they're social engineers. They know how to appeal to our sympathies. And the problem I think that we all have with these people as opposed to our musings is that they're taking something from us. Whereas usually we're the rest of us are acting within a socially acceptable way we're we're usually uh, putting our product out there and it's it's usually the pay the payback the the um the wages that we get from it is usually maybe an appeal to our pride maybe like like we'll say something so that somebody will compliment us back you know or we'll say something to get people to respond to us you know, to get attention, and so usually the mon the the, um, the currency is usually invisible. It's an invisible, more emotional, social kind of a thing. And then um, with the the homeless people, they just want your money. 
And so we're just like, how dare you, bastard? Like, stay out of my pocketbook, man. And so, and then, you know, we kind of see the, um, we're kind of calling, calling the monster, you know, like, you know, because you can see their charade and you can see their game and you just want to, you want them to know that you know that they're full of crap. And I think there's something deeper going on. And, and as I'm living life and seeing the same, and I heard you mention that, you know, you've dealt with these people for a long period of time. And so have I actually. And so I'm not that naive guy. I, I mean, I still treat them at face value, but in my heart, it's a battle. It's like eating from the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil because before I was naive and I think I was better off that way because I would just help people. But now I'm fighting with this thing like, oh, come on now, that story is whack. You know that what you're saying is, you know. But anyways, next segment, I'll, I'll continue on this. This is a great topic, by the way. I think to contribute to what uh, your definition of the Christian bias is, I think comes from when Christians, like myself, kind of get institutionalized um, and get kind of like cabin fever. You know, you're just used to, to Christians in your own circle or your own denomination. And I'm speaking only for myself. I'm just giving you a, an angle. And you're, yeah, you do things like go out and feed the homeless and, and you know, like pay your tithe and all that good stuff. But I find that um, I, I, I was surprised by that I would get any reaction from somebody outside of my circles and so in that amazement, I think that that causes some of us to, to be more open, whereas some of us have already been out there, you know, being the hands and the feet of Christ and work out there in these trenches with people on a daily basis. And, and they have this choice now, there's that tree again, the choice tree, to um, become jaded by it or to um, to still work with people and tarry with them but it takes a power beyond themselves to tarry with these people because we always talk about be patient oh come on now and so you know you 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 see day one with these people and your their story is, is seems legit or it may not seem legit but you tarry with them through it as you listen, not with the ears of your head, but the ears of your heart, because they're trifling. I mean, the stories, I mean, some of the stuff you hear, man, is trifling. I mean, people are saying things like, you know, my sister's down the street and she ran out of gas. And I'm like, bro, I don't see a car down there. I, I mean, I actually have a couple of stories that are pretty trifling in this guy, man. I'll tell you that one in a different segment. But trifling. But I think what, what Christ calls us to do is to be his hands and feet. And so it's going to take two things, I think. I think it's going to take discernment, discernment, discernment. And I also think it's going to take boundaries. So there's three things I mentioned. I said, for me... 
as a person who has worked in ministry in a different, you know, I, I work with youth. I'm a youth guy, okay? And so I know how to relate to young people very well, and I love the youth because I think, I, I think in my head I'm like 16 still. But a capacity that I had not functioned in much was to say, actually get into a dialogue with a homeless person. And so I probably entered out there, you know, naively. And so when people, anybody outside of my circles responds to me, that there's an excitement of that human to human um, interaction. And it, it, in a way, it reminds you of what life should be and could be. And I know the Holy Spirit is present in that, even in that brief moment. But then the, the other two parts I mentioned was the person who does work in that, in that capacity out there in those trenches and their choice, their tree choice to, to become jaded by it or to become, you know, um, to listen with the ears of their heart rather than the ears of their head. And so, you know, that's the part that's difficult because... You know, as I was dealing with Maureen and I had that mountaintop experience with her, day two and three, I started to see that she was a, a social engineer and that she was trifling in certain ways and that she was a broken person, like the rest of us, of course. And so it took, I, I was trying to listen and I was trying to, to be there where I could. But the hard part for me, the part that I was inexperienced in, is boundaries. And so I, I talked to one of the veterans, the lady who was helping her before she got to me. Um, and she was telling me, you know, a lot more to her story. But I noticed that she was a person that listened with the heart. And she said, you know, I tried to help her in this way, I tried to help her in this way. But she refused it. And boundaries, here's the line. I can no longer do anything beyond this certain. So when I think of a, a miracle and its definition and the different stories in the Bible that have miracles, I look at these situations in 2017 and I, and I see similarities or something that even closely resembles and it's exciting because I believe that God can do miracles and we hear of those miracles, usually in rural, like, um, rural places abroad, um, people being raised to life and, and all these things. And, and what I'm starting to learn now is that m miracles do happen, but I think the true miracle happens in a quiet place either somewhere during that big miracle, that visual the big visual, either during or after, I think it happens in the quietness of our hearts. And that miracle to me is that, you know, um, take a person like myself who has been jaded in several ways with all of the abuses that I've suffered in my, my childhood and, and the disappointments that I've had and, and the pain that I've endured. And there's really nothing that can surprise me, to be honest. And I'm sure the majority of you listening to this are probably exactly the same way. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> you know, um, the miracle is this, that God can, can work and do something.
from the inside out. And this is what I mean. Um, you know, we can spend our time trying to convince somebody um, to make our point that Jesus is the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And this is why, because look at my life. And testimony is definitely um, truth. And then, you know, we try to come with the facts and the fact of the matter that, you know, of course it couldn't be a big bang. Of course it had to be um, intelligent design and it had to have been God. And yes, he spoke it and boom, it happened. And, you know, we try to find creative ways of convincing and putting the facts out there. And then, you know, we say the proof is in the pudding and we look at the pudding and there's the pudding and we find bones and pieces of the ark, you know, lodged in the pudding. and. And so it's like um, all of these things we, we try to use in, our, in our, our canon, our gambit, our satchel. And I'm speaking of myself here. And then, you, and then the most interesting thing happens. That from the inside, God does something. And that's the one thing for someone that they can't argue with. Is when God does something from the inside of you, out. And so what my hope is and, and what, my, um, what I know, speaking as a person who is jaded by this world, a person who's tired, exhausted, looking up into the sky right now through this, um, this door, this glass door into the sky, and just wanting to go home, I, I am hopeful. I'm hopeful because God did that same thing for me. Um, Beneath all the onion layers, somehow, the Holy Spirit was able to navigate in ways that nobody ever could and speak to that, the, that, that innocent, what's left, that boy sitting in the dark. I'll be back. <laughs> so to sum up this whole thought on Maureen, here is the true tragedy. The tragedy is this, that I fear that perhaps I did not tarry as I ought to have. I don't feel like I listened with the ears of Christ. Um, I didn't draw boundaries perhaps where I ought to have and tarried where I ought to have. Um, towards the end of our journey together, I was really just grappling at ways to get rid of her, honestly. Um, and yes, she, she made it back to Chicago, Illinois, safe and sound. But something inside of me feels that while... I wouldn't have allowed her to, to trample all over me, but I knew it would have taken some, some patience. I would have needed the mind of Christ to be able to, to be his hands and feet, to be able to help where I ought to and hold where I should. And, um, and so I, I felt like she was supposed to be here a little bit longer. She wanted to come to my church, which I didn't really want because I, I felt that, you know, people would probably judge her, probably as I judged her. 
And so I would say the, um, the cumulative of this journey with Maureen is that um, well, it was a learning experience. And it is a lesson that when we come across people out there in those streets, not to just pay them off, which is a lot of the time what I do. I either try to pretend like I don't see them or I pay them off so I don't have to make eye contact. But rather, if the Holy Spirit impresses on me and says, Fred, you know, tarry with this person to, to not just try to meet the quick, immediate need, because sometimes they think they know what they need, which is your money, whereas rather they need something real. And for years, they haven't experienced real. And so they know just as much that everything is social engineering and they know that the way people are treating them is is trifling as well and so it's it's trifle with trifle is what it is and there comes a moment where i believe the holy spirit comes in and they experience for the first time ever and it changes their lives despite the fact that their outsides still look the same they're never to be the same again on the inside so that's that, um, encouraging everybody to join the conversation on this uh, very interesting topic, Kurt. It, it um, allowed for some self-exploration of my own in intentions, and um, I, I feel like I've grown. And so um, thanks for this, and I'm uh, looking forward to interacting more with you and others on your channel, and um, really enjoy the dialogue. Talk to you later. Hey, Fred, I just wanted to add an end cap of my thoughts on top of your feedback. Listen, I want to encourage you. I see you doing the thing that I know so many people do after a situation like Maureen. You look back and you dwell. You're judging yourself and you're, you know, saying, well, I could have done this differently. I could have done that different. Listen, you did the right thing. You're walking in power, right? You're walking in the spirit, right? So do it. You did it. Now keep doing it. There is no condemnation. You didn't do anything wrong. You gave her more than she ever could have asked for. More than she certainly deserved. And so listen, you went out. You executed. You crushed it. Next time, you're going to go out, you're going to execute, you're going to crush it. There is no failure, man. It's just life. One thing I'll tell you with great confidence is that if we're going to be the people of God, we're going to do it right. We're going to be walking in power and in confidence and in strength and in certainty. But we set the tone as God's people. We set the pace that everyone else has to keep to. We do not walk around in timidity or in a place of weakness. We don't have doubt or insecurity. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and in love and of a strong mind. And that's just the way it is, my man. And I pray that for you. Don't dwell. Don't fear. Just walk, man. It's going to be fine. I want to thank you, Kurt, for that verse. It really means a lot, actually. It's something that 
I can definitely apply to my life today. As the Lord has not given us the spirit of fear. Who gives us the spirit of fear? None other than the enemy. But what the Lord has given us is a spirit of power, a spirit of love, the spirit of a sound mind. So we can be confident. I know I was talking to my wife earlier and we were talking about, you know, all the things that could go wrong in this life. And, you know, pain is definitely one of the guaranteed and death and taxes, of course. But, you know, with those things, there are um, other things that we're tempted to subscribe to because of pain. Pain sometimes tempts us to um, subscribe to fear. Um, pain and, and, and even suffering, because suffering is just prolonged pain, tempts us to think that there is no help and there is no, no relief. And it tempts us to buy into the fear that the enemy is trying to, to suggest buy into the worry and the doubt and I believe those things are probably more torturous than pain themselves I feel like it's even a a type of oppression TBH and so I definitely this this verse definitely resonates with me Um, I think uh, with this whole Maureen thing my hope is only that she was able to see the love of Christ through me and, uh, and I hope that she does through others as well. So uh, this has been a good talk. Um, so yeah. <laughs>